What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. Excited to record this one because it's the first episode that I'm recording with uh, my new mic setup here. So I got the Shure SM7B for anyone out there that's familiar with microphones, but um, pretty much the Cadillac of podcast audio setups. So excited to start recording with this mic setup in the future here. There's probably going to be some old episodes I'm releasing with my old setup, but um, the uh, the uh, long story short, the podcast audio quality over the next few weeks as I get these legacy episodes out is going to significantly improve. So I'm excited about that. Um, but as for this episode and what I want to talk about in this quick episode here is how you can take an institutional approach to your small business and specifically your small real estate business. Obviously, that's what's applicable to most of the folks listening to this podcast. And I want to touch on three different things. The first is you know, basically the roll-up strategy, which is a tried and true long, you know, long-time strategy of a lot of private equity companies. And basically the, the, the goal is to buy a bunch of smaller companies, uh, roll them up into a larger company or a company that has significant uh, scale or actually a larger market presence and sell that to some kind of a larger player. Um, the parallel to this in real estate is buying a bunch of smaller assets, rolling them up into a portfolio that in the aggregate is a larger portfolio of assets and then selling to a larger buyer that isn't interested in these smaller deals. They just want to buy something with a little bit of scale. And um, you know, second thing I want to talk about is deal structures and how you can start using institutional, institutional deal structures excuse me, on your smaller deals. And then how to take an actual institutional approach to building your business and to actually managing your properties as well. So We'll start with rolling uh, rolling up smaller properties because this is something that we're doing in my business right now. Um, we've always tried to to be mindful of this overall strategy, but but we're recently starting to put a little bit more focus on it. And long story short, you get the best pricing in real estate when you can sell to a buyer that has the lowest cost of capital, that has that that seeks scale to where they can enter a market with one big buy versus having to go do a bunch of smaller deals. And you know, there's a reason institutional real estate players, we're talking large family offices, um, you know, pension funds, uh, really large real estate specific companies, hedge funds, they look for properties with scale, right? Something that's a hundred and you know, hundred plus units so they can justify the onsite management. Oftentimes a lot of these uh, larger players really want 200 plus unit deals. Um, but in general, we can take this, this approach to smaller assets and something that we're doing in New Hampshire right now, which is obviously a smaller market. It's a market that's mainly scattered sites, small multifamily. There physically isn't a, a, a large amount of 50, 60, 80 plus unit properties. Like there's just physically not that many to pursue. So a strategy that really works here is buying a lot of the smaller properties, whether it's direct to seller through brokers, you know, just kind of hustling to find these five to 20 unit deals and then piecing together a portfolio of 75, you know, hundred units, and then going out there and selling to a larger buyer. That's maybe from out of state. That's okay with paying a higher price per unit, maybe a slightly lower cap rate because their cost of debt's a little bit lower. Their cost of capital in terms of the equity they're raising is a little bit lower. And you're giving them an opportunity to enter a market with scale. Um, nobody wants to come in, you know, no large player wants to come in and try and piece together all these small deals. They just, it's not worth their time and they don't have the resources to, to effectively do that. So something that we're really focusing on right now is basically building portfolios of these smaller, smaller deals. And then either taking them out to do some kind of a refinance or actually selling. And if, 
Uh, if you're doing a refi, you're going to get better debt terms. You're going to get a lower rate. You're going to get more competitive interest-only periods. Probably going to get a more competitive amortization period. And the reason is you have scale. You know, lenders want to lend more money. It's you're going to get way better terms as a borrower on a million dollar loan than you would on a hundred thousand dollar loan. And you're going to get way better terms on a ten million dollar loan than you would a one million dollar loan. And that logic applies the larger the loan amount is. And if you can actually give a lender an opportunity to lend a larger amount in one single transaction, your cost of capital, your cost of debt is going to be lower. And larger institutions, that's why they look for larger deals, is because it's more worth their time to do the deal and because the cost of capital is typically lower. So take an institutional approach to actually building your small portfolio of multifamily properties, or I should say your portfolio of small multifamily properties if that's what you're currently pursuing. If you can hold off on refinancing your one eight-unit building um, and you can wrap it in with maybe a few other deals that you've bought that you're working through and you can go out to the marketplace and do a refinance on 25, 30 units, you should seriously consider doing that. Or if you're going to sell all of them, you should you know, think about trying to aggregate a portfolio and selling a larger portfolio to a larger buyer. And a lot of people think that when you sell a large portfolio of properties, you get a lower price per unit because you know the, the buyer is quote unquote buying in bulk, right? And you're minimizing your buyer pool because there's less buyers that want to buy a deal of that size than one that's a, you know, of a smaller size. But in reality, if you get to a large enough deal uh, or a large enough uh, purchase price in terms of the aggregate value of all the properties or, or refinance if you're taking it to a lender, the debt is cheaper, which materially affects what somebody can pay for the property. And oftentimes purchase price is a reflection of the cost of capital, the cost of debt. And that's, you know, an interesting position when right now in the market where interest rates are going up and, you know, that's, that's constantly a topic of discussion, but it applies from a transactional standpoint as well. So I would keep that in mind as you, as you continue growing your portfolio, if you're currently doing smaller deals. Now, point number two, um, deal structures. So, it's not often you're seeing somebody buy a five-unit property with some kind of a preferred return, some kind of, an, some kind of an equity split, some kind of a fee structure, but there's no reason that you can't apply those higher-level strategies, quote-unquote, you know, higher-level, more, um, you know, just in terms of what, what some would consider, consider complex. There's no reason you can't apply those strategies to a smaller deal. And the sooner that you start to flex your muscles and develop those skills in terms of being able to structure a deal with these various moving parts, the easier it's going to be for you to scale. And, you know, I don't want to go too deep into this in this specific podcast because it'll just go too long as to, you know, all of these various different deal structures and preferred returns and different equity splits. But I'll just share one example. And the listeners that are familiar with syndication and syndicating real estate will understand this. And if you're not, you know, there's we have a plenty of other podcast episodes on this topic. If you just scroll through and look for anything with syndication in the title or just go out there and do some uh, some quick Google searches. But let's say you're doing an 8% preferred return and a 70-30 equity split in terms of 70% is going to the investors and 30% is going to the general partners. That's a common structure that's used on 100-unit, 200-unit multifamily transactions. There is no reason that that same structure cannot be applied to a 5-unit deal. And let's say you want to work in some fees as well. You, know, you find a really, really good direct-to-seller 5-unit deal. There's enough space in there to pay yourself a one and a half percent acquisition fee on the purchase price, and you can uh, you can go out there and, and put these deals together with an investor. 
and um, you know, speak with an attorney when you do all this. I am not an attorney. So as you're drafting operating agreements, make sure that you consult an attorney to do this correctly. But I would just embrace taking a higher level approach within reason. You know, you don't maybe don't want to start doing hurdle rates and really, really complex structures on these small deals because it might just be too confusing and not worth the the, the, the legal time and cost or the, the, the time and cost it's going to take to put together the legal docs. But start using some of these things because it's going to uh, it's going to make you a better investor. Uh, it's an easier way to raise capital, to be quite honest with you. If you have some kind of a consistent deal structure that you're using, uh, for example, something we, that we do a lot of is a 9% preferred return with a 50-50 split above that. Uh, we're typically finding really meaty deals and that offers great returns to our investors. So whether it's a five unit deal or a 200 unit deal, you can use the same structure. And I, I think a lot of people just assume that smaller deals, they try and piece them together in an extremely simplistic way, but you have an opportunity to get creative to take a deal down. You should think about doing so and building out the framework for your business to scale at an institutional level once you start doing larger deals and uh, bringing in more investors. And the third approach or the third uh, institutional approach or change that I would make um, or that I would suggest you make as you grow your business is taking an institutional approach to management and just business building in general. And I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but the sooner you stop becoming a real estate investor and start becoming a real estate business owner, the faster you scale, the shorter the, the, shorter the roadmap is from going from where you are now to achieving some kind of scale and achieving a larger business. And this is a, a, a phase that I'm really in right now, personally, in, in our business. And um, I'm starting to think about how can I build a platform that can transact and operate deals without my direct involvement, right? Because we're at a point now where I'm just doing a lot. We're looking to make some key hires. And we're not, you know, I think a lot of people in real estate are so hesitant to make hires because cash flow isn't necessarily predictable. You have your cash flow from your operations from rental properties, but that's not really like meaningful cash flow. That's enough to truly build a business off of. And, you know, every once in a while you get a capital event, you sell a property, you, there's a chunk of money coming back, you refinance a property, there's some money coming back, but it's not predictable. So real estate investors have a really hard time committing to making salary to hires. But again, if you look at an institutional level real estate firm, or you scale it way back from the institutional level, and you just look at a large real estate firm, some kind of a private equity real estate firm, you have a founder or CEO or managing principal. You maybe have a couple of people on a C-level team, maybe a COO and then a chief investments officer or something like that. You have a couple of folks on an acquisitions team. Maybe you got an analyst, a couple of asset managers. You got an admin. You have an investor relations person, maybe a marketing individual. So you have to think, how did they get there, right? How can I, how can I get there in my own business? And this is obviously assuming you want to scale. And some people might not want to scale, but this is how I'm thinking about business now. How do I develop a platform? How do I make hires? And how, do, how can I afford the right people to support the growth of this business? So again, it kind of ties into number two. You may have to start working some, some fees into your deals. You know, Nothing that's going to drag the deal down and in a, at a high level, but you might need to work in an acquisition fee here and there to pick up revenue along the way to afford growing your team so that you can better service investors and better find investable opportunities for your investors. And understanding that as you grow your business, you should look at it as a business. When you're growing a flooring company, right? Just for random example's sake, there's only so much a founder can do until he's got to hire an installer. He's got to hire an office manager. Um, you know, if you're running a 
a consulting company, right? You can probably do the consulting yourself, but at some point you're going to hire a couple of consultants underneath you to help support the work that you're doing. And the only reason that real estate's different is because the revenue streams aren't predictable. And if you can figure out a way to, to, uh, I guess, more accurately predict your revenue and more accurately generate revenue, and you can reframe your mindset that bringing people into my organization allows us to grow in an outsized capacity to what I would be paying these individuals, then you're going to start to grow significantly more quickly. And that's more of an institutional approach. It's an institutional approach to growing a private equity company. And if you're in real estate and you're finding deals and you're finding investors and you're putting those two puzzle pieces together, you're a private equity real estate company. That's what you are fundamentally. And a lot of people don't really realize that. They're like, oh, you know, I got a couple of investors here. We're going to go buy a deal over there. And, you know, I'm in the deal and blah, 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 blah. That's great. But Understand what you're doing. Like you're you're a private equity real estate investor, and therefore you're running a private equity real estate business. Why wouldn't you look at it through that lens and take an approach to growing it as if that's what you were intentionally trying to do? But as real estate investors, we just get so caught up on the word investor in trying to do everything in-house. And there isn't necessarily a playbook for how to grow one of these damn things. So it makes it harder to do that, but the sooner you embrace that type of approach to your business, the shorter the roadmap is to scale. So those are three things that I'm actually just thinking about right now, um, and that's why I really wanted to record this podcast episode, and I think that a lot of the folks out there who are kind of humming along right now and and maybe thinking about expanding their team or trying to grow or or want to view their business in a slightly different way will probably get some value out of this. At least I hope they do, obviously. And if you did get some value out of this, please leave a rating and a review for the podcast. Um, really helps to get noticed by more folks. And um, if you haven't hopped on our email list yet, head to alignedrep.com slash invest. Uh, fill out a quick contact form there. Uh, we do these multifamily Mondays newsletters that I personally write, share a lot of my thoughts at the top, and, uh, and share some current events in the multifamily industry throughout the newsletter. So I send those out every two weeks on Monday. So if you want to get on that list, head to aligned.rep.com slash invest, and uh, you'll start receiving those emails. So thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week.